0: You're listening to the Wellness Insider Network, episode number 45. Welcome to the Wellness Insider Network podcast, a place where you discover how to create a balanced, vibrant, and stress-free life with the right food, herbs, and self-care techniques. I'm your host, Lana Camille. I'm a college professor, drug information pharmacist, and an herbalist. Thank you for joining me on this adventure. Let's get the show started. Hi there. I hope you're having a great week. Welcome to the new episode of Wellness Insider Network. Have you ever wondered what it means to age gracefully, specifically in our society? We are constantly bombarded by images of beauty, youth, and health, yet each one of us is getting older. How do you embrace the changes in your body and your mind, perhaps, and how do you preserve the functions? To answer some of these questions, I invited my today's guest to speak with me. Her name is Soul. Deb is an herbalist, gardener, teacher, and author of the Woman's Handbook of Healing Herbs and How to Move Like a Gardener. One of her dreams and desires has always been making organic herbs easily accessible to women and families living in rural areas. In the fall of 1985, Deb launched Avena Botanicals at the Common Ground Fair in Windsor, Maine. Avena Botanicals is one of my absolutely favorite herbal brands and companies. I talk about their products, I send them to my friends and family, and I am absolutely thrilled to introduce her as the company creator to you today. Deb's passion for plants, gardens, and healing and her commitment to sharing this knowledge with others has always been central to her work. She's a frequent guest lecturer at various conferences and an instructor for botany and horticulture students, garden clubs, and medical students. In 2005, People, Places, and Plants Medicine named Deb as one of the 50 most influential gardeners in the Northeast. Deb's life is closely aligned the yearly agricultural rhythm. During the summer, she spends most of her days with her hands in the earth, tending trees and acres of medicinal plants using organic and biodynamic practices. During spring and summer months, she also teaches a variety of herb classes and offers herb walks in the Avena Botanicals Herb Gardens. Throughout the year, Deb writes her uh, herb articles, developed herbal remedies, and consults with clients and healthcare professionals. In everything she does, Deb is absolutely committed to the ecological, racial, and social justice issues and accessibility to medicinal herbs and food. By the end of this episode, you'll appreciate your approach to herbal medicine, gardening, and aging gracefully. Enjoy.
1: Hello, Deb. How are you doing? Hi, Lana. I'm doing well today, thank you.
0: And you? I am doing very well. Thank you so much. I was just looking at one of the uh, pictures that uh, you and your co-workers have posted on Facebook, I think. Uh, You're harvesting lavender today, is that correct? Yes. We harvested about seven and a half
1: pounds of fresh lavender flowers, and it was amazing because... Our beds are full of bumblebees, and I always look to the bees for when they're really active in the lavender, and they were so active in the lavender
0: today. Oh, it it just looked like paradise. It just Mm. absolutely... Every single picture that you post, it always takes my breath away. So... I am, I'm so grateful to have you on the show. And, um, I would like to talk about several different topics. But before we do, I would like to ask you, how did you become interested in, uh, learning about herbal medicine, having gardens? If you can talk to us a little bit, that would be wonderful.
1: Mm. So I grew up in a rural town, a rural part of Maine. And, um, so I was fortunate to live. My grandmother lived with us when I was young, like four, five, six, seven. And my grandmother was hearing impaired. And so she had her other senses were really heightened. And she had a very deep love for nature.
0: Mm -hmm. And so
1: as a little one, I used to spend a lot of time with her just outside watching um, flowers. She would take me to these very special places to look at these Mayflowers in the springtime and to watch apple trees blossom. And, you know, as a little one, I would just sit quietly with her because I loved my grandmother so much. So she really instilled in me without actually saying anything to me Mm -hmm. by being with her. She instilled in me a really deep curiosity and a really deep reverence for the natural world. And then when I was a teenager, first I was given a book name, it's the title is Diet for a Small Planet. And that was written in the 70s, 1970s. And that book really was by Francis by Frances Moore Lappe And it was really inspired me to start wanting to grow my own vegetables. She really talked about food and who has access to food and who doesn't have access to food and some of the really problems that have not gone away, actually, over the last 45 years around agriculture and sustainability and food sovereignty there's so many people that don't have good food and so that was how I started to think about health Mm -hmm. was through growing vegetables and then a year later um, somebody in my community who is a little bit older than me she gave me my first herb book Mm -hmm. and it was written by European herbalist Juliette de Berkeley Levy and that book is titled Common Herbs for Natural Health and that book so inspired me to start Learning about the plants that grew around me, so like Valerian and dandelion and chickweed, just they just grew right around where I lived. And so I started to really learn about the plants. and I started to just because I knew so many plants just growing up with my grandmother, mm-hmm. but I didn't know I didn't know that they had medicinal uses right. so that yeah. was really inspiring for me to start reading. And then I met a few herbalists who were gardeners and started to inspire me to grow medicinal herbs in my garden along with vegetables and just started to really teach me and teach me how to make teas and they taught me how to make tinctures and how to make how to do like foot baths and how to make poultices if you sprain your ankle and so I just had some really wonderful teachers when I was when I was you know my late teens and and it's been my life's work because I I literally I just fell in love with the medicine plants.
0: Yes. Yeah, That's, that's beautiful. But you took it a little bit further. So right now you're a caretaker of a beautiful land. How did that happen? Yeah. So I, when I was in my mid twenties, I knew that I
1: really wanted to contribute into life, to helping people's lives be mm-hmm. healthier and happier and more peaceful. And, um, and so I apprenticed with some herbalists out in Oregon, and they really encouraged me to come back to Maine and to start teaching people. I'd been working with plants for about ten years at that time, and they mm-hmm. said, "Start teaching people a little bit, and start making some medicine for your community." And that's really how the Apothecary Avena Botanicals that I founded, and mm-hmm. that was thirty—that was thirty-three years ago, which is wow. amazing. And so I first worked on a piece of land for about 10 years, and then 23 years ago, um, there was an old farm near where I live that went up for sale, and a friend of mine said, I'm going to loan you the down payment for that farm, Mm -hmm. and this is where you need to be. And I'm so grateful that my friend could see the the bigger vision, because it's a 32-acre farm, it's an 1830s farmhouse and barn, Mm -hmm. and this was an old sheep farm and there were a lot of beautiful old stone walls. And the first year that I was here, I really, um, I didn't grow anything yet. I just began to introduce myself to the land, mm. and to the tree. And I began to really watch like where, you know, I watched like where the sun rises, where the sun sets, the movement of light on the land and the movement of water, I, you know, because there were some places where there was a little bit of water and I just was watching like what's happening here and and I always walking and sitting quietly and observing, and basically, I was just letting the land know who I am, and this is my hope, and my dream is to begin to grow a lot of medicinal plants here for the people who need them, and that we would be making medicine and so I was, you know, having these conversations, shall we say, with the land and with the trees. There's beautiful, beautiful trees here that are old, amazing trees. And then a year later, a friend of mine helped me design the first garden because I knew very much that I, the vision I had was to be able to create a sanctuary garden mm-hmm. that would be. We would grow um, both like a hedgerow of hawthorn trees for the birds, but also we would gather the flowers and and the berries for medicine. And I started to make good-sized pathways with pea stones so that besides being like a beautiful kind of protected sanctuary for, for birds and for pollinators, I also knew that it would be a healing space for people. So I designed it very purposely to invite Um, visitors and students because I do a lot of teaching in the garden also so Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be have a feeling of being held and feeling like you enter through this beautiful gate and you enter into a space that's that's like you've entered into a sacred space that has a feeling of being healing and that you feel like you're held and with amazing flowers and fragrances and so that was very purposeful as I was working on the design of these gardens. And then I also knew, of course, that we wanted to grow as many medicine plants as we could. So we harvest, um, we harvest probably about 1,500 pounds of plants, fresh herbs, right wow. from this farm. We were growing maybe about two and a half acres. But it's a very, um, the farm, ha- it's a little bit, it has like a south-facing slope.
0: Mm-hmm. So I have
1: all the- Whales that are built into the into the hillside, and like i it's a very unusual herb garden because it's not like straight rows, they're very beautiful curving pathways and beds, and I incorporated the stone walls and some of the trees and so it has a magical feel to it, and we harvest a lot of medicine plants and they come like the lavender came right inside into the beautiful kitchen where we make all of our medicine and we made lavender glycerate from the lavender and we made St. John's wort tincture today and um, we made fresh milky oat seed tincture today. So there's so many plants right now every day that we're harvesting and we're tending and giving a lot of gratitude for the abundance and generosity um, that these beautiful gardens give to us.
0: This sounds so amazing. And I've never been, I've never visited your farm, but this always has been a dream. So I, I know that, um, very soon it, it will have to become a reality because the way you describe it, it just sounds so special. Um, mm-hmm. and I always, I also love that you had this dream and you had this vision from the very beginning. But what's important is you took a pause and you took some, you took that first year to actually think about it and become very, very purposeful. One thing that you mentioned is that you have a lot of hawthorn trees, but you, st- mm-hmm. you said that you were uh, planting them for the birds. And so, um. For both. Can- yeah. Right. And so I would love you to talk a little bit about this idea of communication um, between plants, uh, birds, animals, insects, because this is something every, every lecture and every teaching opportunity that I have taken to listen to you, you talk a lot about this you know, synergy and uh, this ability of different species to really to communicate and create something uh, something amazing, something beautiful. I would love you to talk a little bit about that. Well, I I think
1: really when I was back there five years old, my grandmother had such a relationship with birds. And it's interesting, she never taught me the name of a bird. Mm-hmm. Really, when she, she was maybe wiser than that is that she instilled in me Like this wide open curiosity. So as a gardener, as I came into gardening, you know, I, I already had in me a foundation of respect for all living things. And so as I began to create this garden, it was really, really important to me that this garden wasn't just for humans. That, Mm -hmm. of course, that this garden was created with a lot of plant diversity and Mm -hmm. also tremendous amount of um, we build a lot of our own compost. So mm-hmm. the soil is always being nourished by compost and we're mulching, which means that we have very few um, pests in the garden because there's so much diversity. Mm-hmm. So diversity of of annuals and perennials and of trees and shrubs, all of that is here. And in that, the trees, like we planted 48 hawthorn trees actually around the first garden. And, and I knew that that would give a tremendous amount of, Shelter and safety to birds. Mm -hmm. So I was really, Mm -hmm. I was really using for myself, um, thinking about how can everybody benefit here, not just humans, but because I always have grown up just knowing that when all of life benefits, there can be balance and harmony.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: that's definitely always what I strive to create in the garden is a feeling of balance and harmony amongst all species. Mm-hmm. So the Hawthorne mm-hmm. trees—that's why I put forty-eight in <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's so there's an abundance of flowers that we gather to make our tinctures, and then the berries come in October, and we harvest the berries, and then there's plenty of berries for the birds. But the flowers, when they flower, it's amazing. It's like the honeybees in the neighborhood just. Know that the hawthorn is booming, mm-hmm. so there's like literally thousands of honeybees. I mean, I just stand there and they 're just like buzzing it's amazing, so I think it's for us because we are gifted to be on a on a a good sized piece of land we mm-hmm. We were able to, but even somebody with a backyard garden can easily plant like a few rosa rugosa shrubs that will bring so many happy bumblebees and they could plant one hawthorn tree you know i th- i always like to encourage anybody with smaller gardens think about not just what you're you know kind of the flowers or the vegetables you're growing kind of on the ground but also think about going up mm-hmm. so trees and shrubs allow us to go up you know arbors allow us to grow things like schizander berries we grow on arbors and hops grows up on an arbor and so I'm always helping people to think about, you know, from the ground all the way up, because there's lots of, you know, that vertical space can also be used for for growing and and the birds love just to hang out in the hawthorn trees, which mm-hmm. is also my intention. And like I love to watch hummingbirds in the garden, and they'll like land on a branch of the of the hawthorn and they'll just kind of looking around the garden, scoping out, you know, where's our next flower food going to come mm-hmm. from? It's so, so much fun, you know, to be watching. So I'm I, i I'm somebody who, I, I'm not afraid of bugs and bees and insects. And I feel like everybody has a place. I mean, maybe somebody would say that's kind of a a deep ecology way of thinking about things. or mm-hmm. So I think, All Indigenous people probably around our planet have always strived to live more in balance with all of life. And that was just something that my grandmother kind of modeled to me just in her way of being in, in nature.
0: And so that's just how I am. Yeah that that's absolutely beautiful and i know that um a lot of this a lot of your grandmother's teaching came uh into um your book that you wrote about uh gardening and one concept that you address is biodynamic gardening and i know that a lot of the ideas you have described for us but can you tell us just a little bit like what is the uh philosophy main philosophy be- behind this biodynamic approach
1: yeah So I was introduced to biodynamic gardening in the mid 80s. And I first, um, I was teaching an herb course at a college campus in the summer that also was hosting um, a whole week long lectures by different people and different topics related to uh, an Austrian scientist named Dr. Rudolf Steiner. And he Mm -hmm. is a founder a lot of people know of his name because he was the founder of Waldorf education
0: mm-hmm. which is really a
1: strong movement um both in the US and in other countries but he's also the founder of biodynamic agriculture and just to say briefly there were a lot of farmers in Europe um post World War 1 that were really their soil was really depleted um partially because there was the beginning of chemical fertilizers it was also mm-hmm post-World War One, and there was a lot of ammunition that was beginning to be processed into pesticides and herbicides. Mm-hmm. The chemical fertilizers were really one of the main uh, concerns for really um, kind of creating substances that, that don't enliven the soil. And when mm-hmm. I talk about enlivening mm-hmm. the soil, Steiner really spoke so clearly that in order to really... Enliven the soil and have living soil because there's so many, I mean, there's billions of microorganisms that live in our soil and mycelium running everywhere. And if we're putting on dead substances like chemical fertilizers, we're killing all that. Mm -hmm. What we want to be doing is supporting the life of the soil. So biodynamics has a very, very strong foundation. And, you know, it is a, it is, um, it has a foundation in organic agriculture, but Mm -hmm. it actually takes another whole level of how we really work with um, enlivening the soil with a number of different homeopathic type preparations. So there's some soil preparations we use. We use six different preparations that are made from medicinal plants that I put in my compost pile when I make the compost. Mm -hmm. It was really... um, Steiner gave these eight lectures in 1924 and that was kind of the birth of this movement and then Steiner died nine months later so he really he gave the lectures and then the work of practicing biodynamics and understanding biodynamics. And for, I mean, I consider myself to be a lifelong student of Mm -hmm. biodynamics, but I've seen my gardens really respond to the ways that we make compost and the ways that we use the different preparations and the ways I work with the lunar rhythms and the solar rhythms Mm -hmm. and um, understanding the whole planetary movements. There's, there's, Every year there's a biodynamic planting calendar that comes out that can guide that process. So for me, I feel, um, also that Steiner, Steiner actually was clairvoyant. So he ha- he could really see that behind the physical world, there's, there's a lot of spirit there and spiritual beings. So he talked a lot about, um, elemental beings. And, you know, in the European traditions, fairy tales are full of, people mm-hmm. talking about nature spirits and the elemental beings. So, just to say that briefly, but to say that, you know, it's a very um it's become a worldwide movement because mm-hmm. um these preparations really support the life of the soil and in that turn grow really healthy vegetables, grow really vibrant medicinal plants and and also care for animals in ways where disease is much less and their milk or the cheese that comes out or the, you know, people who eat meat who are raising meat on botanic farms. I mean, these animals are so healthy. And, um, so it's a, I think it's an important just to, you know, to put this into a conversation as because in the United States, the USDA U S department of agriculture now really kind of is the one who kind of owns the concept of organic agriculture and it's become really an industry. And it's, it's really become driven by the money um, and not so much about how do we really care for our soil and care for our farms and care for our watersheds and care for our seeds and our animals and the people that we're feeding. I mean, that's really the foundation of any form of organic, holistic, ecological Farming system is that we want to care for the whole, and and it's unfortunate we're living in a world right now where it's always about commodifying food and herbs, and the bottom line becomes about you know the the financial finance is not about the health and the vibrancy of what we're doing, and so that's where I you know for me that's why biodynamics has become so important in my helping people connect into to a system that's. You're really working hard mm-hmm. to 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 really grow something so healthy and vibrant.
0: Yes, yeah. thank you, thank you for that. It's very important message. I know that you I um, teach uh, a lot about the therapeutic applications of uh, medicinal herbs, but uh, based on my understanding, the biodynamics is also a very big part of what you try to share with others. Am I correct?
1: Yes, and it's really because my I've been working with these preparations for uh, over 20 years, and I what I have observed and what I've felt in my own garden, and I've um, I'm just thinking, yeah, it's, it's been the whole time I've been farming on this piece of land. So for 22 years, I've been working with the preparations, and I can feel and I can sense. And in my own body, from the food and the herbs that I'm taking in that are grown biodynamically, mm-hmm. I feel like there's there there's more than just um, a particular herb that has a particular action in the body. Mm-hmm. That when we are able to eat food and take in herbs that, from my experience, are grown with tremendous amount of respect and care and love, and and for me with these biodynamic preparations, that. There's we're also I'm also helping to feed um somebody's spirit. And, you know, so that somebody it's not just about being healthy on a physical level, it's also mm-hmm. that one one's spirit and one's emotional life are also really in balance and in harmony. And when you know, when the mind, body, spirit, you know, that's sort of a cliche, but I think we all know that when the mind, body, spirit are really in alignment and are really feeling in harmony that um we ourselves are are really much more in balance. And the food and the herbs grown biodynamically really help support that process.
0: That is very beautiful. Thank you. So part of what you are sharing with us is um, all about respecting the land and respecting Mother Nature. And I know that one of the elements of this respect is living in rhythm with uh, nature and i know that this is something that do you do uh on your own and i know that this is also something that you teach others would you be able to talk a little bit uh to our listeners about some of these concepts and uh how does this happen in your own life and what can someone who perhaps lives in the in a city could also do to incorporate some of these ideas a little bit more into their life mm. Yeah,
1: it's a good question, because I think that wherever we live, whether it's in the city or the country, we are, we are connected to the rhythms of the sun, so the solar rhythm, mm-hmm. the lunar rhythms, and the seasonal rhythms, and so right there, those are three places for people to, like, just observe, like, where does the sun rise in summer, and where does it rise in winter, and... Also being aware of when the moon is waxing and when the moon is full and when the moon is waning and when the moon is new. Like right now, we're just past the new moon. So last night I was standing in my field and I was just watching the sliver of the new moon in the west and Venus, the planet Venus. They were like so close. They Mm. were conjunct. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one way for people to start is like just tuning into the rhythms of the sun and the moon and the seasons and Mm -hmm. how do we feel in these different rhythms you know some people um are really early morning people some people you know stay up really late at night and i know the lights of the city can play you know can really have an effect there but it's so great for people to at least even know and and like i say to people even if it's like um, like at the winter solstice and the summer solstice and then the spring equinox and the fall equinox. If you are living in the city, find a place outside the city. So in those four kind of very important moments in the wheel of the year, because obviously there's the longest night of the year and there's the shortest night of the year. Mm-hmm. And then there's a spring and the fall equinox where night and day are equal. And I like to encourage people, can you can you find a place near where you live where you can go outside and greet the morning on each of those days and watch where does the sun rise? Even if it's a cloudy day or a snowy day, still, you know, right around that time, go out and be, you know, just kind of be attuning to the energy of this particular shift in the season, you know, and, and the light, because it's, you know, it, those are rhythms that are always with us and they affect us whether we know it or not. So mm-hmm. first tuning into those rhythms, I think is really important. And for people, you know, particularly women, you know, our menstrual cycles are very closely aligned with the rhythm of the moon. Mm-hmm. And with that artificial light can have some adverse effects on that. So again, if a, if a woman can just get herself a moon calendar. There's so many different kinds of moon calendars, including, you know, the biodynamic calendar has a strong lunar influence it goes day by day. So that's if there's someone's a gardener and they want a lunar calendar, I would say it's called the Stella Natura biodynamic planting calendar. Mm-hmm. You can certainly do it online. And then there's other, there's other calendars. There's, like there's, um, a calendar called the wee moon calendar that I love. It's full of beautiful, beautiful artwork and poetry, um, by women all around the world. And that's another calendar that I, I use it as my daily kind of calendar. And I'm, I, I'm inspired by women's art, particularly they're very, very connected to the earth. So that's another, you know, the wee moon calendar comes out every September. And that's another thing that somebody might really enjoy having in their daily lives, particularly if they're in the city to kind of come into a little bit more of a connection to the moon. But I also like to encourage everyone, you know, around the full moon or at the full moon also if you're in the city go out you know find a place where you can watch that moon rise or um, or be you know spend a little bit of time out there in the moonlight because it's it's just so beautiful to be you know to be connecting with the the energy of the Sun and with the energy of the moon and the energy of the seasons so those are some ways I think that people can begin and for me I like to I'm an early morning person and I Drive, um, to be up be- way long before the sun rises. And mm-hmm. I I actually go outside even in the winter um, at dawn. And I go out and that's where I, I speak my prayers of gratitude for the day out loud. And um, in the summertime, oftentimes I will just meditate outside in the early morning. I mean, for us here in Maine at the summer solstice, the first light is like at 10 minutes before in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I realize not everybody's going to get up that early, but um, but it's so nice to get up if you can even get up when the sun is rising or soon after the sun is rising. I mean, you know, I know it's, it's diff, it's different if you're parents with small children or you're caring for elders or you're, you're maybe your working life is such that you don't even get in bed until midnight or whatever. I mean, I know there's a lot of factors. So mm-hmm. people have to choose where in the solar lunar seasonal rhythms that they might be able to connect in or, um, and have a moment of, Just, yeah, feeling these rhythms and feeling the gratitude. I think the other thing is, even if somebody can't really go outside, if they, you know, if they live in a tall apartment or something, or they just, it's not possible, I think it's like we can all create a simple morning meditation and gratitude practice. And that's going to be so different for each person. But we are so blessed to have life. And for as long as we have life, I feel like can we every day give gratitude in whatever that feels right to each person? And then that's the same thing that one of my teachers has always said, you know, when we eat, make sure you give gratitude before you eat, and that when you eat, also imagine that you're sending the energy of the food that you're eating to the people who don't have food, because there's so many people that don't have food and don't have access to water and don't have access to basic, basic human rights. And so i it's another practice that I like to remind myself that you know, just to pause before i before I eat my meal and just give thanks and to also kind of through through my mind and my heart, I kind of say, "You know, may this food also be of benefit in some way to people who don't have food, and just I always keep that in my mind that that this is a privilege to eat, and i I just pray that that will happen. Someday in our planet that there will be, um, that we will have full respect and love and care for our earth and for water and for food and for seeds and that everybody will be able to have access to clean, healthy food and clean, healthy, safe places to live and water because that's not the case. And I I know that and I hold that in my prayers because I, I'm grateful that, that I do have this and I know mm. many people don't. So I think it's important that we that we remember you know in, in in some in some basic way every day that we give gratitude.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And the fact that you were talking about water, I actually had a conversation just a couple of days ago with someone um and we were talking about like one of the resources that people will be really recognizing how scarce it is that it's not available to everyone. And this is uh, something that each one of us needs on a daily basis, and it is water. So it is incredibly important. Um yeah. In addition to the cycles that you were talking about and uh, rhythm of nature, there is also something that each one of us, when we go through our life, there are also cycles uh, for us and there is also, you know, we start as youngsters and we eventually we start aging. And this is something that I know that um, you have thought about and you have taught others on how to age gracefully. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, I am so grateful
1: that I've been able to be gardening for over 40 years and and maintain good health and flexibility. And I think a few things that have really helped me, one is that I'm really grateful that I live here in Maine, where I have always been able to grow my food without chemicals and
0: Mm
1: -hmm. toxins. So I think that I've You know, my health and my digestive system has been free of a lot of toxic chemicals from food, and also um, the herbal products that I use for my skin. So my Mm -hmm. you know the oils and skincare things that I make are from organic oils. So I think that I've been able to um, maintain health from not having a lot of chemicals in my body or Mm -hmm. on my body. And also, I love to walk. Mm-hmm. So I aim to walk and I try to go for a good hike a couple times a month and in the winter I love to cross country ski so movement Okay keeping my keeping my body you know not just gardening but also trying to keep keep movement in my body and I like to do a little bit of movement and yoga and also I really love um taking full body baths and and also foot baths because okay. the, because foot baths herbal foot baths like you can put um either a couple drops of Like a lavender essential oil is so easy for most people because it's Mm -hmm. so relaxing to the body. Mm -hmm. So just putting your feet, you know, in making a lovely herbal tea or a couple drops of an essential oil that you really like the smell of can really relax the body. And I think for me also using some herbs and using the foot baths or full body baths to help my body stay more relaxed
0: Mm -hmm.
1: has also been really helpful because I think as we age sometimes the body can start to constrict a little bit. We can tighten up a little bit. Um, right. That contributes to physical pain also contributes to kind of emotional pain. And so, mm-hmm. like, I really, like, um, it's funny because, you know, we were harvesting lavender today, but mm-hmm. it was amazing to be smelling the lavender as I was harvesting. I mean, just that experience was relaxing to my body. But, mm-hmm. you know, using, as I said, using lavender, a couple drops in somebody's, foot bath can also really relax the body and, and doing that pretty regularly you know, bringing that into somebody's maybe nightly routine or even three or four times a week it, it gives a message to the body it gives the body permission to be in a more relaxed state and I think that there's so much stress and so much anxiety in our world and particularly as we get older there are more difficult things that can happen with our health and with um, maybe losing loved ones, losing our our parents, or you know, things life mm-hmm. happens. Difficult things happen. So, keeping the nervous system, you know, more relaxed and strengthened. So, I mean, I love Hawthorne because it supports the cardiovascular system mm-hmm. and the nervous system, and I love drinking milky oat seed tea um, it's one of my favorite herbs for nourishing the nervous system um, and I make lots of milky oat seed glycerin and tincture mm-hmm. because it really restores the nervous system and like I said lavender I love lavender glycerin to put you know take it orally because it's so relaxing to the body so things that um yeah those are just some things that I think movement and relaxing and Warm bath. Also, mm-hmm. like I heard many, many years ago, a friend who's also an herb farmer said to me, I, she said, I met this Italian farmer mm-hmm. and he was healthy into his 90s. And wow. she said, I asked, I asked him what he did. And he said, I soak every night in an Epsom salt bath. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's not, I don't just like throw in a half a cup. He like throws in like three or four quarts wow. of Epsom salt. He's really soaking and I thought, wow, he's smart because he's getting all that magnesium from the Epsom salts and he's relaxing his body and he's kinda of helping his tired muscles to relax and so that's him. so I bought myself a twenty five pound bag of Epsom salts that. and then I could nice. put in lots in my in my bath. And so in the summer I'm I'm more like to swim. We have a pond on our farm. Mm-hmm. I like to swim. But in the winter I I aim to take like three baths have some salt baths. It start, you know, fall, winter, and spring is my favorite time. So
0: okay, yeah, and, you and you mean know, three three baths a week? Yeah, three baths a week. Okay. I like to take. Okay. Yeah, just
1: to help me, you know, stay more relaxed. But the the foot baths are such an easy thing for mm-hmm. people to do. Like I say, just get get a tub of whatever kind. You know, you go to it. You know, right. I just use. I just use like a dish pan and okay. I just use it for my foot, for my foot bath. And I just put nice hot water in it. And um, I either put in, you know, a really whatever flowers I might be having in the garden. I love to make a tea and just throw them right in the mm-hmm. hot tea and the flowers and put my feet right in there and and just relax for like 10 minutes. And if the, if the water gets a little cold, I just add a little more hot water. I keep a. What I do is I boil water in a kettle, Mm -hmm. and then I keep that kettle right next to me, so I don't have to get out of my foot bath. I can just add a little more hot water to my foot bath. So nice, you know. And I also think um, I think that we just, as especially as we get older, and you know, life has happened in different ways. That um, there's something about just trying to maintain. An open heart and mm. spirit—a spirit that's more uplifted. You know, so that's where I love lemon balm and lavender because they are really uplifting to the spirit. And I also find that way about holy basil or sacred basil, also uplifting to the spirit and helps to keep the heart and the mind open. So, yeah, those are a few things that I think are helpful
0: as I'm as I'm aging. Thank you. Thank you so much. And you mentioned a couple of different plans that you love. And I know that I have... Um, previously, um, I got your holy basil honey and I love your rose glyceride. There are just like so many products that you prepare, that you make that come, uh, they're filled with love. There is no other way for me to, to, to describe how you feel when you are taking them. So I would love you to talk a little bit about some of your favorites and perhaps maybe some of the reasons why you actually create something with them or just in general like how did you how did you start making specific products mm-hmm. in your line
1: Well the rose
0: petal elixir
1: that you just mentioned I that was I just I love roses and mm-hmm. nobody ever taught me to make it I just it was a very intuitive feeling about rose medicine is is again so deeply relaxing to the nervous system also really helpful to the heart you know, both to ease grief and sadness, but also to enhance a feeling of joy and upliftment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was really an experiment that I did with, with the roses in my garden. I just start to, started to play with it. And that's so nice for people, you know, if they have some rose rugosas in their garden, mm-hmm. can just start to play a little bit with making some medicine. But the roses, one, and I even just take, um, like I have been using the rose lately because I just have, you know, I felt a lot of sadness for what's happening in the world and what's happening in the border in the U.S. And, um, I sometimes feel actually more than a little sadness, like a lot of grief and like despair. And I, the rose is one that I, that I turn to because I, I feel like it, it's really eases the ache in my heart.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it also helps me to feel like, you know, I want to keep my heart strong and open so that I can do good work in the world and I can help people and I can be a voice for the plants and the pollinators. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. So Rosa, when, and you also mentioned holy basil, I first read about, I first saw that there was a, um, these seeds. This is probably like 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. This is before holy basil really became popular in the U S I, there's a wonderful seed company in Maine called Fedco Seeds and they were offering these seeds and they, in their catalog it's called Sacred Basil. Mm
0: -hmm. So, you know,
1: we also know it as Holy Basil. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that's an amazing title to give a plant, Sacred Basil. And So I bought them. This is before Ayurveda really was growing big. And I just, I said, I want to grow this plant to to meet this plant, to see Mm -hmm. who this plant is. And that's how I started. And I, it's a great one people can grow in pots because even if you live and don't have a garden or you, as long as you have a sunny deck or a sunny step or something, you can grow some sacred basil plants or holy basil plants in a pot. And I grow them, we have like three big pots right outside one of the doors where people come in to work and we, I like to nip the flowers and the leaves and put them in my water bottle. Mm -hmm. I do that almost every day and I dry it for tea and I put it in, like you mentioned the honey. I love the flavor of sacred basil honey. And that was like, that was also just sort of an intuition. Like somebody Mm -hmm. had given me, somebody had given me some, some dried figs that were chopped and put in honey Mm. years ago. And I thought, Hmm, that's really delicious. I thought, what about putting some herbs in honey, wow. and that 's how I just kind of tried i said i'm going to put sacred basil in honey and see what it 's like, and I love it so that you know there's many different herbs people can put lavender and honey, and
0: you could put thyme and honey, you could put sage and honey and um, you can even put like, garlic and honey
1: garlic and honey, yeah, there's so many things that people can put yes. in honey and that's a, that's something really like if someone were to go to their farmer's market and they could buy like even, you know, a half a gallon or even a gallon, you know, buy a big jar of honey in bulk. It's a much more affordable way to do it. And mm-hmm. then you could, make, you could make smaller jars of, of different types of honey if you wanted to. Yeah. So, yeah, honey is such a fun, beautiful way to um, have that sweetness and the flavor of the herbs come into the honey and, Yeah. Yeah, that's so, those wonderful. Are, so obviously rose and rose and secret basil are two really favorites of, of mine. And I also just to say that comfrey is a real favorite of mine because I love to put comfrey in our compost piles, mm-hmm. but I also love to put comfrey, make a strong comfrey tea and soak my feet in it mm. or my whole body in it. Cause it's so helpful for easing inflammation and tightness and soreness in the body. I, um, yeah, I really, I really love comfrey because it's good for the compost. It's good for the the flowers, for the butterflies,
0: the yellow swallowtail, mm-hmm. and and good for people. Yes, yeah. yes. And so when you're talking about comfrey, you're also making me think about the skin uh, care products that you also uh, create. And so you have a variety of different creams, and I love your healing salves. And so there are, uh, there is a lot of so you play with herbs, not only for ingestion, but also to apply all over your body. Like I, for example, I love your St. John's wort oil and Solomon seal and variety of other ones. I have taught my grandmother that Solomon seal is your friend. So, um, oh, yeah. I'm so glad you share that with your grandmother. Cause it is amazing as we get older. That's an, I mean,
1: that's another one I use. I have a, my right knee, um, because of, being on my knees for over forty years, mm-hmm. the chiropractor said, "You've kind of pushed your kneecap up a little bit." He's like, mm-hmm. "You got to. You're going to have to wear knee pads." That's a, you know, something. As I grow older, I'm like, "Oh right, okay." I'm gonna. I want to be gardening into my eighties. So, mm-hmm. but I, I've been rubbing Solomon's Seal root oil on my knee at night, because um, it's so great for the, you know, all the joints to help ease ease a little bit of soreness or stiffness or helping support flexibility so yeah I I love making the the medicinal infused oils like you said like the St. Wort oil or we call it hypericum oil because mm-hmm. that's the latin the Solomon seal and we do arnica and calendula and the mullen flowers for the ear ear aches um, just because we you know we get really good organic olive oil and so they all get infused in the olive oil for a couple of weeks and you know, the Hillel salve, that's the first salve I ever made, probably like 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I am so, I always just go, wow, that, I've never changed that recipe in 35 <laughs> years, which is amazing that I just was inspired to make that salve. And I just listened to kind of a guidance of the plants that want to go in the salve. And it, it, is, it continues to be all these years. For thirty-three years, our heel salve has been our number one seller. People just love that salve, and I'm so yeah. happy because it's so effective. For right.
0: And- so herbs and uh, burns and cuts and various other things so I always carry one with me so yes absolutely um, couple of more questions and so yeah. one of them is you talked uh, earlier about lunar calendar and I didn't catch the name of the two calendars that you recommended but what I also want to ask you if there are any resources that you would recommend our listeners to explore based based on what we have been talking today. Hmm. So perhaps let's start with the lunar calendar. So you mentioned two different ones.
1: Yes, the wee Moon and the Stella Natura biodynamic planting calendar. Okay. Those are two things that are easily, you know, they're, they're a yearly calendar. Those are easy, easy for people to um, buy them online because both of those, both those calendars, people, they ship them to people.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And then if you have any recommendations, as far as resources go, I know that you have a a book, your own book. So perhaps I could include that or anything else that you would like to recommend someone that who might be starting to garden or starting to learn about uh, herbal medicine. Yeah. So I,
1: yeah, I'm happy to share a few of
0: my books. So, um,
1: I mean, I do love my gardening book, "How to Move Like a Gardener." Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a great gardening resource. I love Rosemary Gladstar's. Um, I think it's is it called a Beginner's Guide to Medicinal Herbs?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's see if that's her. I wonder if I have. Um, we can look it up. I I love that book. It's such a beautiful sure. first book people to have. I think it's I think it's called Rosemary Gladstar's A Beginner's Guide to herbal medicine or medicinal herbs or something.
0: Okay, I'll uh, include it.
1: Yeah, we can include that. And, um, I mean, I, my women's book is back in print. Okay. Um, what is that book called? They've changed the title of it so many times. Okay. So, but it, I could email you that title. That Wouldn't would that be, be great.
0: Good? That would be great. Yeah deb we're coming to uh, an end of this conversation i 'm so very grateful before we uh part i want I have two more questions for you so one of them is uh how can someone learn uh more about you about your company about uh, about your your farm um and all of your offerings so that's question number 1 and question number 2 do you have any parting thoughts anything that maybe we did not discuss but that you would like to share with the audience well one i think is
1: just um how to really encourage People to begin making a, a meaningful, respectful, personal relationship with the natural world. And many, I mean, many of your listeners may have that already. And I, and I would say just deepen that, you know, make mm-hmm. that in some way in a daily practice that you make your gratitude offerings for being alive and for making a connection. You know, I, I liked it in people, like perhaps there's a beautiful favorite place where there's a tree you know that you can visit either weekly or maybe even every day or weekly or um, I just think that we we want to deepen these relationships with the beauty of the natural world wherever we live because we can always there's always a way to find a park or a, a garden or you know a beautiful tree somewhere um, to make connection with and and I think that as we deepen these personal connections with with the natural world, um i think the earth also she i mean i call her you know mother earth she um appreciates that she she recognizes i mean we are the human human beings are part of the natural world here um and even though we've created some challenges we want to remember that we are part of part of the life on this planet mm-hmm. and how can we each on a daily basis make choices that are really life affirming and um you know, from all kinds of ways that we can do that and then how can we help out and reach out to others who, you know, how can we teach ourselves how to be better informed and how to um, be really thoughtful and considerate in our conversations and in our ways of working in the world for um, places where there's a lot of suffering. Um, Yes, I think I always want us to hold in our hearts and our minds just prayers for the for our our beautiful planet every day we want to remember her and give thanks.
0: Thank you for that beautiful reminder. Um and so how can someone connect more with you or with uh, Avina Botanicals? Yeah, so com
1: is our is um our website and um there's also um the herbal classroom is the small nonprofit profit educational center that we offer a lot of different programs through and okay.
0: the Herbal Classroom
1: is doesn't quite have its own website yet but it will have a website um, okay. in the next bit of time so people can, you know, all the educational programs are on Avena Botanical's website okay. but at some point there will the Herbal Classroom will have its own website and also um, if people want to be on Avena's mailing list I think you can do that. Um, I am going to um, people ke- keep asking me if once a month if I would consider, you know, doing a little podcast and I, mm. I'm going to try to do something like that. This once a month okay. for, with a, with another friend of mine um, that will focus on different specific herbs and things. So That would be wonderful. And people, yeah, and people can come visit. You know, we are open year-round. Avena Botanicals, our gardens, and our apothecary, okay. area, are open
0: Monday through Friday, noon to five. So people... That's wonderful. Um, and just, yeah. yeah, and there are specific classes, right? Uh, during the summer, I know that there are yeah. classes that you um, you hold in the garden. Yes, we
1: hold. I do like at the end of July. I'm doing a, a weekend, uh, a weekend on the art of herbal formulation, mm-hmm. and so people will put up tents, and we hire a cook to cook for us, and so yeah, I love to do two days or three days. And then sometimes I'll just do a day long. And then I give herb walks in the garden
0: throughout the summertime. Yeah. Sounds fabulous. Thank you. Deb, thank you so very much. I'm so grateful for, for your time, for your wisdom. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you, Lana. It's been really so much fun talking
1: with you. And I wish everybody who has the great pleasure to be able to connect with you and this beautiful offering that you're doing. May everybody really be inspired and to be, be living in a good way. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Deb Soul. You can find all the links mentioned in this episode in the show notes at wellnessinsidernetwork.com slash 45. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please do so. A new episode will be delivered to you each week. This episode is proudly brought to you by Avena Botanicals. As I mentioned earlier, Avena Botanicals is one of my favorite herbal brands. The company creates products that are healing and absolutely beautiful. One of my go-to is their magical rose elixir. A number of my friends and relatives have been recipients of this amazing product that offers medicinal and protective powers. Avena Botanicals kindly offered the listeners of this podcast a discount of 15% uh, for uh, the entire order placed on their website before January 1st of ni- uh, 2019. Please use a discount code, uh, Avena wellness18 at the checkout. For the details, you can head to the show notes at wellnessinsidernetwork.com 45. Thanks again for being here. I appreciate you. Be smart, be healthy, be you.